Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Evan Falchuk, Chairman and CEO of Family First, an AI-powered technology platform that provides expert caregiving solutions for employees so they can continue to be productive while on the job. Evan, thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be with you. Thanks. So I know that you have firsthand experience with being a primary caregiver for your late father. So I was really curious about how your experience with the struggles and the responsibilities of taking care of your dad influenced the creation of this company and your passion behind caregiving. Yeah, uh, you know, I've been in in healthcare for a couple of decades, and I was the president of a, a company called Best Doctors, which helps people figure out right diagnosis and treatment. And when my father became ill and ironically was misdiagnosed, what I was faced with was this overwhelming challenge of what do you do? How do you even begin to deal with family dynamics and just the practical aspects of getting people to appointments and financial, legal, all the all the issues that come up that I think as a society, we've done a really poor job of planning for. You know, we almost deny the fact that we're all getting older, that people get sick, that people are going to pass away. And what amazed me was there just wasn't help out there really to help you. There, you know, if you get discharged from the hospital, you might get a binder full of flyers and things. If you're trying to figure out practical things around the house or legal or financial issues, you're you're sort of on your own. And so what I wanted to create and why we built Family First was that people need that kind of help and they need expert help. And what we're really obsessively focused on is how do you put all the pieces together, figure out what's going on, figure out what the problem is that needs to be solved and and help people come up with the, the right solutions for themselves. It's, it's really a, a multi-trillion dollar kind of problem. There's 50 million or more you know, Americans that are caregivers of one kind or another. Candidly, many of them don't think of themselves as caregivers. They're just people being a good spouse or a good son or a good daughter or a good parent. And they're just like, this is what I do. But if, if you realize that so many people are juggling work and caregiving responsibilities, and especially nowadays, people need help. And you know that's what we're here to do at Family First. That's fantastic. And like how you mentioned just today's circumstances, specifically COVID-19, how do you think that either exacerbated the fact that there isn't a lot of support for caregivers or highlighted how much companies at least need to focus on helping their employees in that regard. Yeah, I mean, look, we've all experienced the the disruption and all the bad things that have come with COVID. And I think for employers especially, the the fact that people are at home and are taking care of kids more than they were before, that they've got parents, they've got spouses, they've got themselves that are just struggling in in this new environment. And a lot of the reason why we see people leaving work is that balancing those things can be impossible sometimes. 
even for a person who's very career oriented, you've got to make a choice at some point, which is, you know, I, I need to put my family first. And so people make those decisions. And so I think a lot of employers, we're seeing a lot of this in the market, are kind of rethinking what does the workplace look like in this new reality? And I'm talking about things that are a little bit more complicated than just, is are we in the office? Are we doing hybrid? Is it shared office spaces? All that kind of stuff. I'm talking about what kinds of services are you making available to your employees to make it possible for them to balance these needs. And I think, you know, caregiving, you know, for me, I'm very passionate about it. And I think the reality is, is that a, a caregiving employee who is balancing these things sometimes are your most productive people. You know, they're kind of heroes in the sense that they're able to do all these things at the same time. We had a case recently of a woman who had called us and she had this as a benefit of her job. And she said, I, I just, I need help because I've got four kids and I'm, I'm a little bit overwhelmed with these caregiving responsibilities, I'm working full time and I just need help. And what we spend our time doing is talking and finding out what else is happening. And it turned out that she was the primary caregiver for her aging dad and her husband had a substance use disorder and wasn't getting help for it. And here she is suffering in silence in many ways and doing her job right? And, and clearly probably having your own mental health struggles as a result of these things. You know, it's an honor for us to be able to hear a case like this, see all those pieces and say, okay, let's come up with a plan to help you address all that activity. So if I'm an employer, you just have to realize that this is going on in people's lives and they're working for you, but you have an opportunity to create a workplace that honors and supports that in a way that helps those people be at their very, very best, which, you know, and what, what employer wouldn't want that? Right. Do you have any advice for employers trying to take, at the very least, a more multifaceted and human approach to supporting their employees? I do. And it's really informed by what I see employers doing out there. One of them is is just to recognize how many of your employees are caregivers. And as I said, I think many of them are not going to say that they're caregivers. Just again, good parents, good sons and daughters, good spouses. And to survey them and just see how often this is going on in their population. And then to, to look and see the kinds of things you can do. I mean, there's a lot of people doing caregiver leave, paid time off, family medical leave and things like this. But there are services that are out there. And obviously, I care about what Family First does. But there's other things in addition to providing the kind of social, emotional and financial support for a caregiver that just help them feel welcomed and honored you know, for what it is that they do. I'm not saying you should turn your company upside down and turn it into a place where people can not work <laughs> because they're, they're caregivers. But if you can find a way to provide those support, I think the companies that do that well are the ones that are going to compete and win for the best talent. The most high performing employees are going to say, listen, they, they get what I'm dealing with and, uh, and they want to support me. I want to work there and I want to do everything I can to make this company successful. So what would you say is the most accessible form of support that companies can offer without completely overhauling their benefits and compensation packages? Yeah, look, one of the hottest things right now out there, I'd say for the large employers, especially, we're seeing people put caregiving solutions as a sort of top three benefit as they look at the 2023 open enrollment period. And the reason I think that's really important is that what it does is allow your employees to have a resource available to them that will help them figure out what their needs are and then how to use them. I think in many cases, employers have benefits in place that can help some of the after effects of caregiving. The case I just mentioned, the employee needed some mental health counseling for herself, given the challenges that she has. She had that at work. Her husband, who's on the plan, had a substance use issue. They had a benefit to help with that that wasn't being utilized. And the company also had a you know backup care program in place for the kids. 
that, again, the member didn't know about. So the opportunity for employers is to say, I'm going to put in something that speaks to my caregiving employees. And if you do it the way that we do it at Family First, it, it allows you to say, let's look at the big picture, find out what the needs are, and then position that member with as many of these services as possible to help them solve their problems. Would you say that educating your employees about what kind of support and benefits you offer could help prevent some employees from seeking employment elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, look, and this is always the problem for companies when they're trying to communicate their benefits. And the trouble is, there are, every company has so many great benefits that are in place. And employees get the big brochure, they go to the web portal, and they can see about the benefits. But I, I just don't think a lot of employees, when they're facing a challenge, say, oh, I'm going to go see what benefits I have available to me at work. So you need to have a regular cadence of engagement with your employees to let them know about things. And ideally, if you're doing a good job of surveying your employees, you'll know what their needs are. We have a large client here in the US that put on their corporate intranet a notification about Family First recently. They had already communicated it at the time of open enrollment, and then they put it on their site. Hey, we've got a, a solution to help you if you're caregiving. We ended up in the first 10 days with 29 cases from that of people calling us. I mean, there were many more than the 29 who called looking for help, and we have a web portal with content on it people can read. So there were dozens and dozens of people. But it's a simple piece of engagement that can be used with any kind of benefit just to communicate, hey, this exists, and it's here because we care about you, and we want you to get help uh, with whatever needs you might have, and it's free. You know, I think that's a hugely important thing. And to the extent people use it, it creates a very positive effect where people talk about the fact that, hey, isn't it great? My company gave me this thing, changed my life. And, and that's what you want to hear from your employees. Right. So kind of in the same vein, what does the human part of human resources mean to you? There's something that I've learned as a CEO that someone once said to me, which was that managing a business is easy, except for all the people. You know, the reality of running a business is it's really reliant on the people you have working for you. And so the most important thing you can do is find really excellent people. And I think in HR in particular, you know, you're kind of on the front lines of these decisions that get made and being able to work together with senior management and try to make sure that the company understands what kind of people we're looking for here. I'm not talking about resume because there's tons of people with good resumes. I'm talking about the personality and the fit that is going to be the key to that person's success in the organization. I think that HR professionals are, are so important to that because they're initially screening the folks. But again, I see an even bigger role for HR professionals in Im embedding themselves in how do CEOs and how do COOs and how do other senior leaders in organization think about this so that people are on the same page. We know what we're looking for when we interview someone. And what are we looking for exactly? It's It's got to be very driven by their personality. There's nothing better than working on a team of people who are awesome and work really well together. And there's nothing worse than having people that don't fit. It can be really frustrating and difficult. And it's, an, it's a constant struggle and process. So I'm a huge admirer of people in that role. And I, I think as a CEO, it's it's part of what my role is too, a big part of what my role is. Beyond the advice of finding the right people for your company, what advice have you gotten that's made you a better CEO or a better leader? There's a book that is one of my favorites, which is written in the 1930s by a guy named Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I give that book out to people a lot. It sounds hokey when you hear the name of the book, but it is a quick read. And the core message it tells you is that the most important thing you can do as a human being, as a leader, as a friend, as a family member, is to make other people feel important, not in a manipulative way, like truly help 
that other person feel important, that you care about them. You, you want to know who they are. You want to know what they're about and what's important to them and what their aspirations, struggles, challenges, things make them happy and really reflect that in your, in your life. I think as a leader, that is a hugely important thing. And it's, and again, if it's genuine and it comes from the heart, you're actually doing a wonderful thing for the world by treating people that way. Someone a long time ago told me about that book and I read it and I was like, this is, this is something that everybody who's in a leadership position and really just anybody ought to read. If more people read that and lived by it, the world would be an even better uh, place. So I, 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 I'm a big proponent to that from a, from a leadership perspective. Nice. I've heard of that book before, but I haven't had the chance to read it. You should read it. Definitely put it on my book wish list. <laughs> Get it on your Kindle. You'll be done with it in, in, a, in an afternoon. And Yeah, I love a good quick read. <laughs> yeah. Going back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, do you have any advice for people who are trying to balance caregiving responsibilities and a career just from your own experience? Uh, number one, take care of yourself. And I don't mean don't take care of your loved one, but a person who is a, uh, a nurse who I admire a lot uh, told me once about caregiving. She said, you know, when you're on a plane and those oxygen masks come down, they tell you you're supposed to put on your mask before you put it on somebody else. And I think one of the biggest challenges that caregivers have is that they, we, I've done this. You give so much of yourself to the other person, either out of love, out of caring, out of a sense of responsibility. You just do that because it's what you do. And you forget to take care of your own health, your own mental health and well-being. And you can't be as good a caregiver as you could be if you don't take care of yourself. So I think that's the thing that gets most lost in uh, in caregiving. But you know, I, I think it's a very noble thing to be a caregiver. I think it's a very rewarding thing. I also think it carries with it a tremendous amount of stress that's relentless, that is chronic, and that can lead to burnout and all sorts of other problems, which is not good for you. And it's certainly not good for the person that you're caring for. I don't know. I feel a tremendous amount of admiration and respect for people that are able to juggle that. Uh, having been there myself, it's, it's a lonely place to be. And it's hard because this person that you love and care for is, is struggling. And you got to recognize you matter in that equation as well. Because if you're caregiving to someone else, you're also another person who deserves care, right? <laughs> That's correct. That's really well said. I think that's 100% right. Yeah. Thanks. Do you have any advice for managing or minimizing burnout? Because I know beyond caregivers, just the COVID-19 situation, remote work, and every other aspect of the world we live in today has caused a lot of people unbelievable amounts of stress. It has. And you know, the other thing about that dynamic that can lead to burnout is that the lines between what's work and not work have become completely, they're not even blurred. They just, it's almost like they don't exist anymore. So when you're working at home, does it matter that it's Saturday at two in the afternoon? Does it matter that it's nine o'clock at night on a, on a Tuesday? You sort of are like, oh, whatever. I'll respond to the email. I'll get on the Zoom. I'll deal with the issue. These things, they can take a toll on people. And it may be that this is the way we're going to work forever, that there's going to be these blurred lines and we're going to have to deal with that. So I think, the again, the opportunity for employers especially is to say, okay, that's the way it is. We can decide we don't want it to be that way and say we're not going to do that. But to the extent you think it's okay for people to work that way, you better make sure that you're letting people know that you care about them. You want them to feel as if they've got space. Um, you see companies doing things like saying, yeah, we're taking Friday off today. Like none of us are working. I was reading about a company where they actually were paying a bonus to employees who, while they were on PTO, did not look at their emails. And of course, they can check because they can see if you've logged into your email. That's nice. <laughs> and it's it's kind of nice. Now, I, I don't know if that's something that I would do, but it's interesting that that 
is something that's out there. So I think there's a tremendous amount of creativity coming along those lines about how do you help people manage the new reality of work in a way that gives people the things that we've lost, like the weekend and, you know, and how to, how to bring those things back into play. Yeah. And speaking of the weekend, since this airs on Fridays, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? I am happy because my younger sister is getting married and we've got an engagement party for her this weekend down outside of Washington, D.C. She's marrying this wonderful guy who I really like. And I'm just psyched to go and be with her and be with my family and, uh, and celebrate uh, a happy occasion. That's so fantastic. Thank you. My sister lives outside of D.C., so I know just how beautiful it is there. It's really nice. And it's cherry blossom season. So you'll be able to see the, the cherry blossoms. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's going to be great. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to getting down there. Oh my gosh. Tell your sister congratulations for me as well. I will do that, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you again for joining me today, Evan. I really appreciate the chance to have this conversation. Thank you. Me too. You betcha. Again, I'm Maddie Collins and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.